Moi je m'ennuie de 6 à 10, de 10 à 6, de 6 à 6, toute la vie, le jour, la nuit. Moi je m'ennuie, si encore je... Hello and welcome to another episode of the Criterion Quest, a continuing podcast series looking at important films and contemporary classics. My name is Chris and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Lee. Hey! Yeah, uh, so we, it's been quite a while for, since our last episode, um, you know, I've, uh, in those few little bonuses that I've put out, I've let everyone know uh, that uh, we're unfortunately here in Melbourne, have been under a severe lockdown, so it's made it very difficult to record. And uh, also in that meantime, I'm sure our people, listeners to the Patreon, uh, might have noticed a little bit of an absence of Tom as of lately. Um, the reason for that is, uh, he, uh, given all the lockdown and everything, it's been really tough on everybody. Uh, he's also, uh, wanting to take a little bit of time to, uh, help raise his daughter, which is, of course, understandable. So, um, you know, being a stay-at-home dad, it can be very taxing looking after a, a what, how old is, how old is she now? Like 10 months old? Yeah, so. something like that. And it's, he said something to me today in between her naps, I'm trying to watch a film and it can sometimes take eight days to get through a single film. So God bless him. That's yeah. <laughs> so this doesn't mean Tom's gone from the podcast for good. It just means uh, he's going to be taking some breaks here and there, but that gives us a nice opportunity to uh, kind of spread our wings a little bit and uh, get, get a few different perspectives and... So we're going to have uh, some lovely people like Lee, who has been a wonderful guest previously, and of course you know from the Patreon stuff. So uh, yeah, we're, we're going to be mixing it up a bit. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, jump on board uh, the Criterion. Um, big shoes to fill, but I'm sure he'll be back. So. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and let's be honest, I'm looking forward to uh, having a little bit of a change of perspective. Um, the one thing the internet needs less of is two white guys <laughs> talking about movies. <laughs> um, so it's nice to have a different uh, opinion and perspective for once. Yeah. So with that, we should probably get into this week's film, which is uh, which is Catherine Brellier's 2001 film, Fat Girl, or Amasseur, as it's called in France. Which is, sounds much nicer. <laughs> it really does. And it's, um, I get, I, there ends up, there's actually a new essay on the Criterion website and in the new Blu-ray that actually is written by uh, Catherine, the director herself, like breaking down why she chose that title, actually. She prefers the title Fat Girl. And I guess we'll kind of get into all of that. But we'll kick things off as we do with the Criterion synopsis. So, 12-year-old Anais is fat. Her sister, 15-year-old Eleanor, is a beauty. While the girls are on vacation with their parents, Anais tags along as Eleanor explores the dreary seaside town. Eleanor meets Fernando, an Italian law student. He seduces her with promises of love, that, and the ever-watching Anais bears witness to the corruption of her sister's innocence. Fat Girl is not only a portrayal of female adolescent sexuality and its complicated bond, and the complicated bond between siblings, but also a shocking assertion by the always controversial Catherine Brelier and the that violent oppression exists at the core of male-female relations. What a mouthful. <laughs> what a synopsis. Yeah. yeah, so... Sorry throwing you in the deep end a bit with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a challenging first criterion. I think um, coming from uh, the Patreon, where it's films I've seen before, films I love, films I know really well... You know, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna admit I'm a bit anxious about this one. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not like sitting down and having a beer and talking about strictly ballroom. <laughs> no, <laughs> <laughs> definitely a lot more full on uh, content in this one. Yeah, yeah. So obviously you'd never seen this one before. Never seen it before. No. Yeah. Um, this is one I'd seen maybe once, like God, 10, 15 years ago or something. And I'd seen one other of her films, Romance. But um, yeah, I'm not that familiar with her as a filmmaker and had mostly forgotten this film, um, except for the ending. Like, that mm. is sort of unforgettable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, what was your, what's your first impression? How, how, how did it hit you? I loved it, in a way. I found it really um, difficult to watch, let's put it that way. Yeah. Um... But I don't know, I guess there was something kind of, she tapped into something and 
it was interesting uh, trying to think back to my own adolescence and how awakened I was at that age or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it somehow, like, she manages with the film, like, brilliantly to just put you right back in that spot. Yeah. Like, when, whether you're a man or a woman, you just kind of are like, ooh, yes, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it's very interesting filmmaking. Because um, I wasn't that familiar with uh, Catherine Berdier. I, I ended up uh, looking up a little bit about her. Um, and so she's been w- around for working, making films for about 40 years. Uh, she started as an actress. She was in Last Tango in Paris, the um, Bertolucci film with Marlon Brando. Um, but she's also a, a film professor and things. But uh, I, I did like this little bit of a write-up about her film work and like what she tackles thematically. I thought that'd be a kind of nice way to <laughs> ease us into this. Uh, so she apparently she... Uh, what it says is, uh, she chooses to normalize previously taboo subjects in cinema. Taking advantage of the medium of cinema, uh, she juxtaposes different perspectives to highlight irony found in society. Through film, she attempts to redefine the female narrative in cinema by showing female characters who undergo similar experiences as their male counterparts. Uh, many of her films uh, explore the transition between girlhood to adulthood. Uh, the females of her film attempt to escape their adolescence by seeking individuality. So, like, already there's, like, tick, 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 tick for this film. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And I think going through the film, I didn't really know where it was headed. Yeah. And obviously it was the taboo subjects 100%. I already have so many questions about the age of those actresses. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I was, I was engaged. I wanted to see it through. I wanted to see where it was going. There were some lengthy ass scenes though. Yeah. That, that's apparently another big thing for Catherine Berlier is very long protracted, uh, in particular during sex scenes. That was kind of her thing to kind of break. And that's the thing, like breaking down the taboos and like what you would normally see, uh, in cinema is the the male perspective the male gaze and so that's a lot of quick shots and like you know romanticized lighting and close-ups on female anatomy and things instead in this film it is detracted it is almost voyeuristic and it's like a seven minute long dolly shot Mm. (laughs) that just the whole scene up i think goes for 25 minutes Mm. that that first First sex scene and and the second one i think is six minutes so yeah Yeah. it, it tries to like it really breaks down that whole idea of hey we're going to, you know, it's the male gaze and the romanticized idea of sex on screen. No. Not let's just play this as real as we can. Yeah. And, oh, that definitely um, added to the feels of the film. Was it filmed on film or was it video? Oh, no, this was film. Yeah, film. it was filmed on. Yeah. Um, Inter- there's no film film style to it in a way. I mean, there is a film style, but it, that is to be... Um, kind of quiet in a way, and that we, yeah. we are very much <laughs> in a reality. It feels real. It doesn't, like you're saying, it's not romanticized. It's it, it's really withdrawn, and it's a very mm. voyeuristic camera. Like it is, like the camera is outside of everything, kind of looking in. Um, you know, it's very seldom that she's using close-ups, except for like that, like one of the key scenes when, you know, in that sex scene, when we finally cut away back to uh, Anise and she's kind of got the hand over her face and, you know, that, yeah. which is now actually the Criterion cover art for the, for the film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're totally right where it just gives you this weird, it, it's not cinematic at all. Like it, it, in, in a good way, that, yeah. that sounds like a negative. Um, no yeah. music throughout the film other than diegetic stuff, like through the radio. Yeah. Hmm. I um want to know what why it's Criterion. What makes it <laughs> not like it's why is this Criterion because it's so bad? More like why was this chosen? Do we know? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I don't think off the top of my head any of her other films are actually included in Criterion. Um, it it made a splash when it was first released in two thousand and one, and it kind of I previously like her her film that she'd done previous to this romance i think was a little bit more there was more dealing with uh sadomasochism and things so like a more heightened and more extreme sexuality so focusing her lens kind of on anais and eleanor like these two sis- young sisters uh young women it's got it, it kind of grounds it a little bit more and it, even though the film is hypersexualized and deals with a lot of like you know sexual mate like you know it's 
primarily dealing with sexuality, um, is what I meant to say, not hypersexualized. Mm. Um, it it's still grounded in a very human and relatable format, mm. I guess. Um, that that would be my <laughs> assumption. Yeah. We need to ask Pete Becker himself, like the founder of Criterion. Why yeah. why this one? Yeah. <laughs> well, mm. I'm sure there's no other film in the Criterion um, mm. collection probably like it. Uh, I mean, you know, this Although is not I, the, this yeah. is not the first time we've seen that kind of sex in Criterion. <laughs> so that, that's that's happened occasionally. You you'll be happy to know that is a prosthetic erect penis. Oh, thank you. I have it's a not real. big note. <laughs> I don't want to get into it straight away. <laughs> yeah, do, like it's the first thing I want to talk about, but I'll, I'll you know. Okay, that's good. Far out. Oh, um, my. yeah. So that is, yeah, that that was all faked and stuff. So it is that thing of like it is, you know, even though it is very graphic and hardcore, it's it is still actually simulated sex. It's not actually real, and you know. How old um, were the actresses while we're on this point? Uh, I can look that up now, actually. I believe, um, Roxanne, uh, who played Eleanor, I believe she was 18. Mm. Uh, uh, she was 20 at the time. Okay, good. And Anace, who played Anace, um, she, ooh, um, I gotta do math now. That's, that's a bummer. (laughs) Uh, she was 14. Yeah, so that that is a raw performance to be putting on screen at such a young and vulnerable age. Um, but obviously, you know, it goes without saying, consent was given. Her her mum apparently was on set every day with her and things. So yeah, but it, that's a it's a it's a full on role to be yeah, totally. handed as a fourteen year old girl. Hmm. Hmm. Um. I was actually going to discuss her character a little bit. Yeah. She she describes herself as the ball and chain and gets, like, dragged around while her sister gets into mischief and stuff. But she's so, like, on point and honest with her sister. Like, the way she talks to her about her sexuality is so mature. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's kind of crazy. I, um, I ended up... Because I was having a little bit of a tough time kind of breaking that down, like, the the kind of difference between the two. It's like, you know, obviously there's the surface level, you know, one is, you know, quote, un, you know, shit, they even, it was the opening line of the Criterion thing. One is fat, one's beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, so I ended up doing a deep dive on some of the special features and uh, actually have a quote from uh, Catherine Berlier herself about the, that sort of maturity of that character, if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, she said she's 13 and well developed, but they ignore that. So others deny her body and to so others deny her body and to don- and to deny it herself, she turns fat. Uh, she can say she feels good about herself, but oddly enough, it takes care of her, meaning it protects her from becoming a product of society's norms. Since her body makes her unlovable, uh, since she uh, isn't looked at and desired, she's more intelligent about the world. She understands things and understands what hap- what's happening to her sister. She's more lucid and mature. So, the mm. idea that because... I, and this is the director's words, like, you know, my interpretation of that is, like, she... Because she is in that position of, hey, I, I'm, I'm maturing in a different way. Instead of becoming a sexualized ideal of a woman, I'm, I'm something that is not desired... So I can afford myself opportunities to mature in other ways, and and in that becomes hyper, like you know, very self-aware and intelligent of her surroundings. One hundred percent, and that comes through beautifully with the way that she talks to her sister, and Anna, and she thinks the um, Fernando guy's a pig, and I mean, God, the opening scene where they're walking yeah. to town and stuff, and you know, the it's the idealized, you know, you have Eleanor talking about like the idealized romance and like what she's looking for and and it's just counters with like i don't want my first time to be with someone i love like that's yeah (laughs) like she's very real about it yeah (laughs) Mm. oh she's a fascinating character and i really enjoyed yeah her character her uh, thoughts on the whole thing yeah Um, well that yeah that that's the whole thing like she is 
And that's why it's so interesting to have, like, essentially have those sex scenes from her perspective and her point of view. And, like, you know, she's... Us as the the audience watching this film, we're hyper-aware of Fernando, the the ridiculousness and over-the-top nature of what is happening in that, quote-unquote, like, seduction. Yeah. And she is us just being like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. I love how she wakes up the next morning and she's like, you've kept me awake all night. You want to fondle my sister? (laughs) Just suck his dick already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then there's that, I mean, I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but there's that scene where she's on the beach and, you know, she sings that little song to her throughout and she's so self-loathing and I didn't really understand what happened in that scene while she, why she did strip off and... I my I guess it was because she was cold from like the wet clothes and the wind on the beach and stuff, and then like from that as well, it's like that thing of she because she's so mature in her thinking and her understanding of things, yet that's one of those like very childlike innocent moments where yeah. she's you know the wet clothes so she's hanging up to dry and like that huddling thing, and despite the fact that she's so hyper, she's more aware of what's going on to Eleanor than Eleanor is, yet in that moment she can't help but be viewed as a shivering small child yeah it's really sad but yeah yeah um i i like my big like i mean let's be honest the big scene of this film is the 25 minute long sex scene and that whole build up and stuff um when i was watching it like initially i i wrote down one kind of idea and read on it and then realized that I was totally wrong. <laughs> well, that's not to say wrong, but it's like, it's like, oh shit, there's, there's two ways you can interpret this and both kind of are interesting and polar opposites. You, uh, so. <laughs> if, I'm if like, you're, where are you going? <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, what's up with this? Um, so I wrote down that the film begins with the girls being in control of their, in control of their sexuality. Like it's there just mm. like, you know, I'm here to seduce a man. That's what I want to do. Blah, blah, blah. That's, that's my whole thing. It, it's them. They're, they're in control of their sexuality. They're feeling empowered by it, you know, being on the cusp of womanhood and things. And then Fernando comes in and he works to systematically break that down. And, you know, saying, like, his, his horrible excuses and, like, you know, it, it's a, this will signify our love and it's a true thing. And then, you know, it doesn't count if we do anal. Yeah. Which is just, like, Disgusting. what the fuck, man? Like, how it do, is so... I know you're on a, you're on a, re- no, how no. do her parents not hear her screaming out in pain? Oh, not just that. And he, he comes so loud. <laughs> <laughs> he is so loud when he comes. It's ridiculous. Like, yeah, that, that's whole, like, yeah, come on. If you yeah. guys are being, qu- like, of course, of course Anais is woken up from this. This is Ugh. insane. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and so it's Fernando who kind of, you know, it's it's these this woman that is seemingly in power and control of her sexuality, and it, it, they're just showing us systematically how men break that down. Yeah. And take that power away from them into the point of, the, you know, she's left there crying, and, like, you know, the fact that she won't have sex with him degrades her and belittles her so much that she starts crying and then eventually yeah. like falls into it it's 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 heartbreaking and like you know i think at the very end like you know after he they do end up having you know he convinces her to give up the butt um <laughs> yeah she, like her line I'm, i said something that's so crass and then i'm following <laughs> it up with she's lying there saying i feel like crying mm-hmm. and like the shame that she feels from it mm-hmm. and i'm just like man that's brutal but then but it's also really funny. Funny. <laughs> hear, hear me out. Okay. Hear me out on this. And I, uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of funny that, that, that they're having to basically label and disguise their sexual impulses for it to be acceptable. Like the, both Fernando and Eleanor are sitting there like, they both know what they want. Yeah. Like, but to, to get to that point, they're, they're jumping through all of these ridiculous hoops mm. of, like, this is a symbol of love. I'll give you a ring. I yeah. will come to Paris to visit you. It, you know, you're still yeah. a virgin if we have anal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's she... all of that stuff. And and it's it breaks it down, and it's actually all purposeful. 
And it's a kind of reference to sitcoms, actually. What? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so yeah, I'm listening. So yeah, I, I end up having to do some research into this as well, because like, that might, was my thing of like, oh, that's actually kind of funny. If you, The more you look at that and the more you break that down, it's actually kind of ridiculous. Like, it, it's kind of poking fun at that insanity and the loopholes that, you know, sexual politics you go through. And then uh, Catherine Bellier herself has actively said, like, you know, she was going for a sitcom aspect with that. Uh, and this is the, the quote, It betrays some th- uh, things so common, so repulsively banal, that we laugh. Comedy is always cruel. The love scene has a comic aspect, but there's cruelty there because we, l- <laughs> because we laugh at what makes us suffer. So she's basically like, this is like an episode of Curb, everybody. <laughs> like, That's the right sitcom to pick, actually. Yeah, suffering. <laughs> it, it, it is so awkward and uncomfortable that it starts to loop back around and kind of become funny. Yeah. That you're like, this is so uncomfortable. Yeah, that you now yeah. have to laugh at it. Oh. And I found that so interesting that, like, she planned that. Yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's full on. I um, yeah, I I didn't get the funny vibe, but I if I ever rewatched it, I reckon I would um, see it. But I know what you mean about the the little loopholes that they were going through. Um, and and as well, it's just a, it kind of is added again, like when because then we later see Anais's point of view, and she's just like, "Are you kidding me yeah, with this guy?" Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Like, I was there. I heard... You heard the same shit I heard, right? Like, he sucks. Yeah. I feel like I wasn't... I didn't have permission to laugh at that. <laughs> I know, but that, but that's the thing. Yeah. Like, that's, that's what made it such an interesting watch, because you're kind of, like, on the edge of your... It's so awkward and uncomfortable, and it feels like an invasion of privacy. Yeah. Like, but at the same time, she isn't... Like, the filmmaker is inviting us to laugh, and, like, understand... It's that... It's kind of wonderful that she's mm. highlighting the absurdity of our own sexuality and sexual encounters with this. If it's like, y'all see, this is really weird, right? <laughs> I can guarantee you, if we watched this in a room together, I would have been pissing myself. Probably oh, yeah. a because I would be so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like what? Yeah, watching a sex scene with your parents or something. Yeah, and you're yeah. Just like, nah. But also, I reckon you and I would have been like, look at this slick guy, Fernando. <laughs> He's pulling out all the tricks. He starts off slick, and then when she says no, he's just like, harumph. Yeah. <laughs> and such a boy. petulant Sorry. little child. Oh, no. Yeah, so bad. I, I just want to punch him. I know. And then that that's so punctuated so perfectly of like, you know, it, it, well, that's the thing. Like, he he seems to be a decent, nice guy. But then when he's denied the, denied sex, he is just turns into, you know, what, it, like, you know, the idea of every man just like, fuck you, I just, I deserve this. Mm. <laughs> like, and that horrible thing. And then it's, it's, and then you see Anais just being like, oh my God, this fucking man child over here. Um, and then that's punctuated so beautifully by the scene of his insane mother coming to reclaim the ring. I was going to say, why the hell did he give it to her in the first place? She'd because he's promised- an idiot and a child. Yeah. He'd already, she'd already promised him what he wanted. Yeah, but he needs to sweeten that deal and make sure it happens. Oh, okay. <laughs> like a that fucking idiot. That mother, my god. The most hectic scene that just automatically makes you be like, I feel like the film is kind of imploding now. Yeah, like the, yeah. It just, all of a sudden everything comes crashing in on itself and you're like, what, just slow down, you hysterical crazy woman. And, and she slaps an ace. She slaps yeah. her for defending her sister. Like, she's yeah. done something wrong, which she hasn't. No, and it, it's just that thing as well, which is, I, I wondered if that was kind of showing we're, we're all impulsive and we all kind of don't know how to react to these kind of, when it's matters of sexuality. And, like, mm. that's why the mother doesn't know how to deal with it. So she just reacts mm. at whoever is there. And, unfortunately, it's a nace. Apparently, they did, like, 13 or 14 takes of that scene. Mm. And, like, you know, with and then, like finally actually slapped her across the face to get that authentic look. And I'm like, ooh, that's rough. Something I wanted to discuss was um, Anais always trying to copy Eleanor. Mm. And um, we have that scene where they go dress shopping and she walks into the dressing room with the same dress in a different colour. Yeah, she wants the skirt shorter and shorter and shorter, even though she's kind of aware of 
her lack of appeal to men, she's still really trying. Oh, and yeah, I'm jumping around. But the other no, thing no. I wanted to bring up was um, the pool scene. Well, yeah. The... She's kissing the wood and then she goes back and she's like playing off like these imaginary dudes. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding you. We all did that when we were oh, little yeah. girls. But we didn't do it in the pool in front of our whole family. Like, what is this girl I, playing at? <laughs> I couldn't stop smiling at, like, when she goes back over to the sunbed yeah. thing. And she's like, no, I would never really cheat on you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I think it's those... And and then that's punctuated by her kind of laying out to Tan. And it, she puts a comical amount of lotion on. And it's... I, I think it's like being like, remember... She is a 13-year-old girl. Like, yeah. she is still a kid, actually. Despite the fact that we're having glimpses of her advanced maturity and understanding of situations, she is still a little girl. That's, like, yeah, that's what that's achieving. Yeah. And and the, the dress shopping scene and stuff, like, and that whole, like, you know, you mentioned it earlier, like, the ball and chain and all of that. It It's, as well, like, the other thing of this film is the sister relationship. Mm. And it, it's kind of really kind of it seems like that that pinpoint that and you have the one where it's these two actresses are so brilliant at mm. like they go from hating each other to laughing and giggling and hanging like you know it's if it it's wasn't, a perfect yeah if it wasn't for that one scene where those sisters connect and and think back i'd like to think that that's not something that was like a moment for them i'd like to think that that's not something they discuss all the time this is you know, for whatever's mm. going on and whatever's happening at the moment, they stop and they reflect and they actually openly talk about their relationship. I loved that scene. That scene was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It it made you re- remember that at the heart of this, it is a film about, you know, the, the relationship between these two sisters. That, that's where the film opens. That's where we, we our entryway through is these two, the, you know, the yin and the yang of this family, I guess. Um, and which is why I love the French title of Amasseur for my sister. Like it, it oh. worked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that whole scene and how, um, they talked about the development and the change in their relationship and how, when, um, they were really little, Eleanor would mother her. But the second she became able to talk and I love able to beat her ass. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I love that. I can just picture it. Um, then Eleanor t- turned cold on her. Yeah. And, and that's why I think, like, my read on that was as well, like, following through that thing of, like, why uh, Anais has become so mature and so kind of hyper, in, not hyper intellectual, but intellectual more so than Eleanor is because, like, she, she mentions in that scene, like, it, it's, you know, A, beating her ass, <laughs> and then... <laughs> Also, like when I was a when I hit was able to match you in conversation, mm. and she's she said that was around when she was like three or four, mm. and that's like, and you get the sense that Anais as a character was like, all right, well, she, I am unlike her in this way, so to then advance and get that, you know, it's tying it all back into that thing of like, you know, she's cold to me now. What can I do to? you know, get that warmth and get that yeah. understanding. And, and she, she's a character that's thriving and all she wants is connection and mm. to, to connect with people. And, you know, she's attempting to do that in a sexual way. She's attempt like, you know, with understanding sexuality, uh, with copying her sister, like to try and relate to her on that level. Like, you know, it, it's, yeah. Yeah. She's starved for it. They make comment about the parents and how it's their fault they played them off against each other or we do see how the dad leaves a family vacation early and they blame their parents for the way they turned out, uh, turned against each other. Mm. So I'm imagining, we don't see it, but I'm imagining that it's not a very connected, warm family environment. No, well, I mean, God, the mother has that line of um, your father broke his record for how long he would stay on vacation this time. Yeah. And they just seem very cold and disconnected, all of them. Mm. Um, as a family unit, which is, again, why that scene of the two of them in bed together sharing memories of childhood is so important. Yeah. I, I'm literally, if it wasn't for that scene, I probably wouldn't have liked this film. Mm. I love how it, it broached those taboo sub, But if that was its heart, and that that was, yeah, the, the moment where we can all sort of 
like oh a nice scene <laughs> yeah we're not we're not being confronted with like yeah the, the rough realities of se- burgeoning sexuality and borderline statutory rape and you know yeah well i mean no it, it's not actually borderline it's, it is yeah. it is actually statutory rape he's what 20 and she's 15 yeah yeah that's the age of consent and then do you know what in a way it it, it really illustrates why we do have that age um for all this sort of stuff because she's not really mature enough to be making that decision no not at all and then he and he's also old enough to be able to exploit that. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know it. You know it from the second he comes into that scene. Like, you know, it starts all fine, but then she broaches the subject of, well, how many women have you been with? And he won't say a number. Yeah. And you're like, oh, there's something up here. And then he goes to pull his, he pulls his cigarettes out of his pocket and puts the ashtray on her belly, Ugh. treating her like an object. And you're just like, ooh. Your grace. I see what this is doing now, and it is a train wreck. <laughs> yeah. And, in um, fact, that, that scene where he's... I believe it's where he's smoking and chatting is the one um, moment where we do have a filmatic moment, I, I would like to say, the slow reveal of... Um, the dolly the shot. Yeah. yeah. Because it's like a six-minute like dialogue scene of just the two of them, and the camera's slowly dollying, and then it eventually gets to a point of just like, remember, she's still in the room, Yeah, right? <laughs> she's having a good old look. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but that's what's also interesting, like the the voyeuristic idea of Anais looking in at this, like cause she's thirteen in this film and Eleanor is fifteen, and so th- theoretically this is her first glimpse at what sexuality is, which is not good. No. Like, yeah. And there's a later scene where they're watching uh, TV and they talk about Bardo. I'm thinking Bridget Bardo. Yes. Yeah. Because she was quite a sexual uh Yeah, they're icon. watching like an old, old, old... I tried to find what that was. It was like an old, um, like, current affair debate show on the idea of sexuality within society. And you're yeah. Like, it's a little on the nose, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then her reaction to that, I love her. She's... Be- I can't remember exact wording, but something along the lines, I love, I love her. Yeah. And I think... I, I, I didn't think she was talking about Bardot. I thought she was talking about the woman who was making the argument on screen. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And I, I wonder if that's just, like... It's someone who is able to... She's finally getting a glimpse of someone who's able to take a... In particular, a woman who's able to take a step back and actually take stock of her sexuality and understand the politics and the situation that all that is all encompassing by that and critique it accurately. Mm-hmm. Whereas Anais, yeah, whereas Anais is like, see, motherfucker, I told you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hmm. Um, should we talk about that, uh, wonderful <laughs> final scene? <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was just about to get there. So oh. after, so after we have, um, you know, the, the reveal of, uh, Fernando's mother and that insane, that's when, like I said, the, the film starts to kind of implode on itself. Uh, you know, vacation's over. <laughs> yeah. We're all going home! <laughs> We're all going home, and it is the most anxiety-inducing car trip. Yeah. Uh, and the snappy little comments by the mum, oh, we've got we've got our own things to be ashamed of, or something, when they, yeah. they talk about the, the people who leave their rubbish on the table. And she, oh, like, yeah, and then, ju- and then it's punctuated by her just throwing a bottle out the window... And she's like, that's not cool. And she's like, you should fucking talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, whoa. Yeah. Horrible. And then as the scene, and then you have Anais in the back who just is, doesn't know how to deal with the situation. No. So she eats and then she eats and makes herself sick. sick. And it's just like, oh God, yeah. it's this horrible cycle thing. And then the further we go on the trip, the more you start to realize there are these big trucks that are just encroaching yeah. and kind of blocking them in and... Yeah, just like, yeah, it's like, I, I read that that's like obviously a sim, like, you know, supposed to be somewhat symbolic of man, of men kind of imposing. It's like this car full of women like going off on their thing and it's like these just this, this world of men just like crushing and grinding them in and then mm. until the windscreen smashes. Do you know, I, we were talking about this and we're like, save it for the podcast. I knew that was coming. I'm yeah, like, what okay. is with this long drawn out scene? This is this keeps going. I feel like we're building up to something. Something 
effed is about to happen here. And and you have that one shot where Anais like kind of makes eye contact, contact with a truck with a truck driver. It's not the it's not no. the it's yeah. not the attacker. It's not the killer, but it's a different. It's just a different man, and you're like this. Yeah. Yeah, disgusting. I am S- never stopping off on the side of the road to have a power nap. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So. Not knowing, I mean, like, not knowing it was coming, but also, like you just said, like, kind of having an idea that something like that was coming when it finally did. Because they they do everything to, like, kind of tease you with it, where it's just like, you know, Eleanor has to go to the toilet, and, like, she leaves, and then you get a shot where you're like, wait, has she been gone way too long? Too long, yeah, yep, yep, And then she comes in, and then even Anace is like, make sure you lock your door, Mm -hmm. and it's like all these precautions to kind of be like, oh, okay, no, they're doing everything to kind of you know, pushes out of that mindset. Mm. And then when it finally happened, what was your reaction? Um, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> it is um, violent and horrible and scary. It's like. it's super scary, super violent, super horrible. But bringing it back to what we were saying earlier about the lack of um, filminess to it. It's so blunt and brutal. Like, yeah. Bang, bang. And the sister's killed. Just like that. Yeah. And that's and what it would be like. It's not like this slow motion doves flying off in the air moment. <laughs> it's, yeah. That kind of shit is, that's what it is. It's real and it's horrible. and It's blunt. And yeah. Just, blunt yeah, aggressive. and not, not filmy at all. It's horrible, horrible, horrible. And, and then the bizarreness of him like ripping open the mother's shirt, but then just choking her to death. So, okay. It, the mum didn't scream or anything when the sister got killed. And then it's like she's waking up. I'm looking too much into it. It's like she's waking up and then like, oh, shit. Like, did yeah. she not wake up when the windscreen got smashed? I, I, I thought the exact same thing because I was Unless just like, she's in shock. bitch, move. But I think it's, I think it's, it, it's like borderline. It's like in that surrealist territory where I think we're in a nace's point of view because the the killer is staring mm. directly down the barrel of the lens as well, mm. like making eye contact with her, and it's like just frozen in fear, no sound, nothing exists, mm. and then we have the cutaway shot of her peeing herself mm. in fear, and that's when everything kind of rushes back into reality again, and like you know starts up again, and the mother is there and dies. Like yeah, yeah it's brutal. Yeah. Um. And obviously what happens next, she doesn't run. This is where it gets weird to me. This meant, and the, the last line of the film, um, yeah, yeah, it's a really yeah. interesting way to go in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. I, Again, I don't know it's... how to discuss this without <laughs> going... I don't know. <laughs> this, this is what I, this is what I mean. Like, I'm sorry, I've thrown you in the deep end for your first episode. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. Should I say what I think happens? Oh, but please, please okay. do. Okay. So the last line of the film is the police are bringing her out to her dad, and they say she says he raped her or something along those lines. Ah, uh, didn't didn't rape her. Didn't sorry, she said he didn't rape her, and then she says, "Don't believe me if you don't want to." And then the scene where I was talking about before, where she's slowly backing away from him, but not running and screaming in the opposite direction. And then when he is raping her, she doesn't fight him. In fact, she almost mimics some of the movements her sister made in the previous sex scene, where she kind of wraps her arm around his shoulders and accepts it. Is she so... Um, self-loathing that she accepts that as a form of affection or is it like she kept saying I'm sick of being a virgin I'm sick of this I'm sick of that and she just wants to not be a virgin anymore I don't know what do you think um, yeah I think you're you're definitely onto it there um, I don't know if it's necessarily the virgin uh no, sorry, I don't think sorry, that yeah. either, yeah. Um, but I, I, again, I draw back to one of her first lines in the film where she says that she wants her first time to be with someone that she doesn't love. Mm. And so she's just kind of... And having 
gone through what she's gone through for this entire film and like seen the kind of grotesque nature of men approaching sex and the sexual like the politics that go along with you know a sexual encounter she's just like fuck that like i guess just take it yeah which is i mean i feel i feel so horrible just yeah that just then but um but the yeah, fact that and- she says he didn't rape her which is, it, it's the double-edged thing of, like, uh, it, it's, okay, is then that implying she is decided to be complicit? Mm. Or is it then, like, going back to what I brought up earlier about how the film opens with these two women who are controlling their sexuality and empowered by it, and it's basically the, the, the worst thing you can possibly do to take away a woman's power is, or anyone's power is to rape them like that's horrific um and so by denying him that she's denying that he took away her power of her sexuality Mm. and she's kind of you know fuck you like Mm. that yeah (laughs) yeah and that's definitely where i sort of my head was and also you know he didn't choose her sister he chose her and I don't know that my yeah, well, that, a lot that's of different a, place well, with it, and and her and her mother as well. Like there, there are these two women who are like you know, quote, like women. Yeah, and then she's in the back as this girl, and yeah. like he actively chose her, yeah. and like the ho- the whole film has been about wanting connection, wanting you know, yeah. yeah. So I think you're definitely onto it there. Yeah. Um, and I think it is just a shocking, jarring thing of her becoming aware of women's role in the eyes of men for sexual for sexuality i guess like you know and and again like i i hope to christ not all men are like that because please please for the love of god no yeah (laughs) there's a moment where um fernando apologizes for men right at the beginning no no that's just him when he's the ultimate exemplification of all that is wrong with men like no you don't get to fuck you you don't get to talk for my gender yeah You suck, dude. <laughs> it's very, um, yeah, it's very anti-male. There's not one male redeeming character in this movie, is there? No, which is, uh, it, but then at the same time, Catherine Bellier is like, I'm not a feminist, I'm a realist. And you're like, yeah. oh, snap! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's really fascinating. Um, yeah. And, and that ending shot, like her, uh, Anais saying, uh, you know, I'm, you know, don't have to believe me if you don't want. And it ends on a fr- freeze frame of her looking into the camera. That's like a direct reference to Francois Truffaut's The 400 Blows, uh, where basically, um, you know, Criterion listeners will, of course, you know, 400 blows, but yeah. I'll explain for Lee. Like, it's a film about a, a boy, you know, on the cusp of adolescence learning to, like, you know, going off and becoming a man and ends with him escaping and running away and running along the beach and look ends with a freeze frame of him looking into camera. And it's like, oh, shit, he's taken that step now. And so that's referencing her there, like, looking into the camera. It's like, oh, shit, she's now a woman. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. It is confronting. And I've got to say, like... I don't know the style of music, but it was really upbeat. <laughs> yeah, it was like some Italian jazz. Oh, it was <laughs> so... Yeah, yeah, it was like, so yeah. jarring. I was like, what did I just watch? <laughs> but, 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 but again, is that Brelier like saying like, you know, that, don't, don't feel sorry for this girl. Like, be happy. She's a woman now. Like, she's... Yeah. Be happy yeah, for it. Like, she's fine. Sure. I'm pretty sure her last... <laughs> she, got raped. She, she got raped by a maniac, but she's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the sitcom coming back in that maybe I didn't understand yet? Yeah, or, it, or it's just like, I love those... I love any film that does that juxtaposition where it's like a horrific thing and then cut to credits like... Yep, da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, the big one I always go to is Evil Dead, like that Calliope music. Oh, yeah. Like, love it. Oh, something so like good. That it's such a, like, you can't help but laugh at the jarring nature of it, so. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I don't know, was there anything else that, yeah, we haven't talked about that you wanted? Um, I don't feel, like, equipped enough to go into depth with it. Like I said, I've watched it once, but... I do know that there was a lot of symbolism in it. You spoke um, about the trucks. um, Mm. And um, I just thought there was a few moments of symbolism and I was like really desperate to go, what does this mean? Because there was the green scarf. I don't know if you noticed the green scarf. 
Oh, that know. the mother tries on when they're yeah. dress shopping. And yeah. she's wearing it at the end. Like I said, mm. I don't know enough to go into depth of it. I think maybe cut that bit. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine. I didn't have anywhere to go with that one. I just yeah. I noticed a lot of symbolism, but I didn't. I don't know. Yeah, what and I've, I've got like some. I got like some other stuff that's just like, eh, like, you know, Anais wears very muted colours and then eventually starts, like, you know, in the final scene she's wearing yellow, like, sim- matching her sister and, yeah. you know, she's on the same level, like, it's like, eh, it's, yeah, it's whatever. Do you want to yeah. do your trivia then? Yeah, let, let's, let's get into some trivia. Um, so, Catherine Brelier won the Manfred Salzgeberger Award at the 2001 Berlin International Film Festival, uh, where the film was also nominated for the Golden Bear. Uh, she was also awarded the France Culture Award for French Cineast of the Year at the 2001 Cannes Film Festival, where this film premiered. Um, I've already talked about how uh, Fernando wore a prosthetic penis. Yeah. <laughs> she, sa- she says exhaling seductively. <laughs> um... I, th- I thought this w- this kind of bummed me out finding out this one because it's like oh fuck you like let her be be an actor but Anais's uh, Anais's mother uh, on set would lie to her about her dog dying in order to get her to cry for emotional scenes oh, that's I'm like fuck good. you don't don't emotionally manipulate your daughter like for the that's sake of horrible. acting like let your daughter act like yeah have, she she got hired for this film for a reason let her fucking act yeah that's horrible um there's apparently an alternate ending. For the film, uh, yeah. you're like, what could this be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently, it just continues on beyond the parking lot, and uh, Anais is in a doctor's office, uh, getting examined. And when the doctor asks her uh, why she lied about being raped, she sits up and claims that uh, he doesn't have to believe her if she does if he doesn't want to. So it's just more, it's just punctuating and kind of. I, I think the the harshness yeah. of just ending it like that works so much better. Definitely. Um, in South Korea, this was the first movie to be passed containing, uh, passed by the censors, containing sex scenes with nudity. Uh, previously, due to strict censorship, all sex scenes that included nudity had to be edited or deleted. What a what an to- it- Yeah! Yeah, what a choice. <laughs> Maybe because it's not, uh, an enjoyable sex scene? It's very, yeah, it's very clinical and real and, yeah, yeah. That, that could be it. But, um... On a similar note, uh, the film was banned in Ontario, Canada. Uh, the Ontario Film Board of Review banned it in 2001 on the grounds that it off- that it offended contemporary provincial moral standards. Um, the ban was finally lifted in January of 2003 after Bill Moody replaced Robert Warren as the board the board's chair, and new guidelines for reviewing films were adopted. Um, that also helping kind of change overthrow that was Cowboy Pictures, who was the uh, North American distributor of the film, uh, threatened a lawsuit uh, against the OFRB. So it wasn't banned across Canada; it was just one state banned the film. Yeah, I'm actually surprised there wasn't more banning. To be honest, I was wondering about that. I, I think, not that I think, I think it, it should. I'm just you know, it's quite yeah. typical. and it's quite confronting and things. Mm. But I think it like going back to what we'd said a while back, like it. The fact that it's it's not played in a sexualized manner. You're not you're not supposed to be titillated by these scenes. No. You're spo- like you know, they're not sexy at all, and no. you're not supposed to get enjoyment out of them. But at the same time, they're not exploitive. Yeah. Like you know, if it and I think that by the way she filmed it, it being like that long shots from like across the room, like the voyeuristic thing. It, you know, she's not cutting into epic glory shots of his dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know. No, and, and like there's at no point do we get a cl- even a cl- like anything beyond a long shot of nudity. Like there is no close-ups of nudity whatsoever in the film. It is like you know taking that very withdrawn approach to it all. Mm. Um, but I found this was really upsetting. Uh, a man was arrested by Canada Customs and Revenue Agency uh, in July 2003 for importing a copy into Canada. Oh. So. And I'm guessing 2003, the the Criterion DVD, I think, was out by then. So I'm just assuming this guy got arrested for trying to buy a copy of this on Criterion and then had to fight it and be like, you fucking overturned this back in January. Let me go. Yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. I wouldn't even think. Imagine you just had that on your laptop or something and you're like, oh, I didn't even know. Yeah. 
But that, yeah, that's the thing. Banning films is ridiculous. Like, you need mm. to, you know... It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, enough said. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Uh, so we'll quickly go into the actual Criterion edition itself. So the film is available as a one-disc DVD, a one-disc Blu-ray. It's also available on the Criterion channel, but it comes with uh, behind-the-scenes footage from the making of Fat Girl. Uh, two interviews with director Catherine Berlier, uh, one conducted the night the film... The night after the film's premiere at the 2001 Berlin Film Festival. The other, a look back at the film's production and alternate ending. US and French theatrical trailers, as well as the standard booklet and essay that Criterion usually do. Yeah. So, oh. pretty pretty standard. Nothing, nothing too, too mm. fancy for this one. <laughs> but I guess, uh, unless you've got anything else, that'll probably wrap us up for this week's episode looking at Catherine Bellier's Fat girl. Mm. Thank you uh, for including me. <laughs> no, no. Th- thank you for jumping on board. And I am um, sorry that uh, it was such a... <laughs> like I said, we've thrown you in the deep end. But yeah, I, I, I think, you, yeah, it was... I think you did an amazing job and was uh, great chatting to you about this one. Oh, thanks, Chris. <laughs> uh, so, with that, uh, our next episode, we're going to be looking at uh, George Franju's Eyes Without a Face. Sticking with French cinema, but we're now going to go for some 60s horror with eyes without a face. But uh, as always, if you have any comments or queries, uh, we'd love hearing from you all. So please feel free. Let us know what you've been watching in lockdown and isolation and things. Um, you can send us an email at thecriterionquest at gmail.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at CriterionQuest. Otherwise, I think, Lee, maybe you should promote the Patreon. Yeah, um, Patreon. Get on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so patreon.com slash the Criterion Quest. Yep, we've done three films. We've uh, looked at our favourite Australian films, starting with The Castle, which was Tom's, Strictly Ballroom, which was mine, and Wake in Fright, which was Chris. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing uh, full feature-length audio commentaries for those films, and I think uh, we, we've hit on our topic for uh, the one that will be dropping on the 1st of October. Yep, horror, because, mm. you know, October, Halloween. It's, it's Spooktober. Spooktober. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if we put one out on the 1st of October and then 1st of November, like day after Halloween, like, it's 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 spooky season. Yeah, I'm excited. It's definitely not a genre I've uh, delved into a lot recently, so I'm excited to head back into it. Yeah, so we've kind of decided to go for uh, game-changing horror films mm. or... You know, ones that kind of mix things up a bit or, or change what a, the genre can be. So, uh, if you want to have a listen to those, um, we'll be dropping the first one looking at the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, doing a commentary for that on uh, October 1st. So, you got a couple of weeks to subscribe to the Patreon. But otherwise, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, thank you for holding out over the, what is it, month and a half, two month break that we sort of had there in lockdown. It's good to be back. Uh, Thank you, Lee, for coming on for this episode. Thank you for having me. Uh, For this week's episode, I'm Chris. I'm Lee. See you next time.